Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Amateur Podcast. I'm Ryan O'Connor, and today I'm talking to Glenn Shackleton. Glenn is the owner and operator of The Haunted Walks, a company that does walking tours of haunted sites in Toronto, Ottawa, and Kingston, Ontario. I've been on a couple of these tours, and I'm not going to lie, I definitely got a little scared, and I had a lot of fun. So I'm curious to find out how you create such unique experiences. So thanks for joining me today, Glenn. Yeah, thanks for having me. It'll be fun. Yeah. uh, Well, my first question is, what exactly is the Haunted Walks in your own words? Can you share what that is in your mind? Sure. We uh, started as a walking tour company. So I started it 25 years ago when I was a history student uh, at Queen's University in Kingston. And um, the original idea of the tour was to be a historical tour with uh, ghost stories with a, you know, a theme of telling ghost stories along the way. So mm-hmm. something in the evenings and, uh, that proved to be very popular. So it became a quickly became my full-time job instead of just my, uh, summer job. So the tours have expanded now to do all kinds of experiences. You know, we offer more kind of immersive experiences like our, uh, the haunting we do at Black Creek, for example, yep. where we you know, participate in kind of some experiments to try to see if we can uh, screw up any, uh, <laughs> any I've, I've been on that, that one. That <laughs> was, a, that that was one. a lot of fun. There was a Ouija board involved and it was, <laughs> there were it was, it was my first experience with a Ouija board. So <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we have kind of a, a, quite a mix of experiences, but they all tend to theme around i guess the unusual you know we have our uh, incident at the bunker zombie adventure here i've been on that one that too yeah. in most years yeah. and uh, so you know they're, they're not all ghost tours but that is the biggest thing we're known for for sure i actually remember one of the first groups i had when i was first starting out was a group of girl guides that had booked <laughs> on the tour and they said to me you know oh i hate history and i said well okay how about if i forget about all the history and i just tell you a bunch of interesting stories about things that happened in the past in kingston like some cool stories and, uh-huh. they're, and they're like yeah that sounds great huh yeah same thing folks so, so, it's, <laughs> so it's just yeah. Uh, yeah just packaged differently so really right. you know it is definitely uh, a, lo- a lot about learning about the historic sites we explore but we want to make sure and package in a way that's fun you know it's not we don't want it to be a, a lecture or anything boring for anyone uh something where they're going to learn something and uh and but the primary focus is going to be having a good time with friends that they uh, come with Awesome. Cool. Um, so how do you research the stories behind the tours? Yeah, there's a variety of uh, methods we use. So certainly uh, old fashioned historical research is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, we find stories in them, even just in old newspapers um, in using archives and other uh, primary sources. But uh, other times it's just a matter too of as far as the more modern ghost stories or encounters that people say have happened to them. Uh, a lot of times it's just a matter of asking a lot of questions and being persistent. So, uh, you know, one of the things, one of my little secrets that I can share is that, uh, you know, the people to speak to are always the cleaning staff or the late night security people like because those are the ones that are there when there's no one else yeah, there interesting most likely huh. to have had spooky huh. encounters so i don't know how many times i've gone to a site and had them say like oh i don't think there are any real ghost stories and then you know i spend two days at the site talking to everyone and it turns out you know 90 percent of their staff will say well i actually did have this one thing happen <laughs> and it's some crazy bizarre story that's you know uh and, uh, you know, whether it's paranormal or not, you know, who knows, yeah. but definitely stuff that's interesting and unique. So cool. Yeah. And how do you choose the locations for the tours? A lot of times we're looking at um, locations that, you know, first of all, we try to focus mostly on public buildings purely just because we don't want to inconvenience the people that live in a private right. home. Of so if we yeah. do have stories yeah. about private homes. You know, we'll we may tell them, but we might not reveal the location, uh, for example. But yeah. uh, you know, we look for places with some character. I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of getting into a good story, ghost story, is the psychology and of what uh, the circumstance we put you in. You know, why do we yeah. do ghost tours at night? Why do we do it? You know, when it's darker and do it by lantern light and have the trappings of it because it really gets you in the right mood for the story. So you know, getting to go into a place like Upper Canada Village or Black Creek or yeah. the old jail, going when it's dark kind of ominous it feels threatening um really does kind of add to the atmosphere and make it uh you know have impact the story definitely Mm. yeah i could see the the nighttime aspect of is is a is a big big uh big uh makes a big difference doesn't it yeah for sure so you know we do have stories that are very you know very modern building or something like that but you know it always is great when the building is a historic building and you know my experience of going around and starting tours in many different locations is that Typically, if we go to a building that looks like it's probably like a haunted, spooky building, 
once we ask people, it, there will always be stories. Always. Uh-huh. There are always stories uh-huh. about buildings that look that way. Uh, you know, whether that says something about our, our psychology as humans, I don't know. But that's, seems uh, that's yeah, case. that's interesting, though. I'm wondering <laughs> if if you've changed your opinions on the supernatural as a result of doing this job. Do you did you find yourself becoming more receptive to it or? Yeah, uh, you know, I I'd say I have become more receptive. I, I started out actually very much as a skeptic when it came to ghost stories. I loved ghost stories. But yeah. I, you know, saw them more as cultural folklore and interesting mm-hmm. stories. But uh, uh, you know what? There's been encounters where I've done research that. I just genuinely can't explain. I've had things happen to me in some of these locations that I can't explain. And I would love to say that as a result, I'm a, you know, I have a firm idea of whether I believe in ghosts or not, but I think I'm like most people, I'm kind of agnostic on ghosts in the sense of thinking, you know, there could be something that I don't understand. It's certainly possible. And I cannot explain a lot of things in any other way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, there's a lot of possibilities that are left over there right. for me to uh, to think about. But, you know, people do find it ridiculous that I even have the slightest bit of skepticism to me because I've had some pretty extreme encounter- uh, things happen. But I have, uh, you know, I can give you an example. Uh, yeah, uh, researching, uh In Kingston, I was researching this old uh, church, Chalmers United okay. Church. And the women who played there at the organ, the organist told me that a lot of women who played there at the organ would get this feeling of this malevolent presence that did not want them to be there mm-hmm. and that and often had very you know was a very frightening ex- experience for them so you know i just asked him if there was anybody i could speak to this was back in the 70s he told me and i'm you know i'm speaking to yeah. him in the 90s at this point so he gave me a list of phone numbers of people that had played over the organ over the years and he was like i'm not sure who's had experiences or not you can call them mm-hmm. so I, I think i phoned about a dozen different women and you know i get on the phone and they do, they'll say and I gave very little. I just said, I'm calling about Chalmers Church. I'm, I'm, I've heard that there's some unusual stories to the place. Like, did you ever have anything unusual happen to you while you're there? Mm-hmm. And then they would proceed to tell the exact same detailed story <laughs> of what happened. You know, none uh-huh. of these people knew each other because wow. they were all students that were in different years and different uh, programs. Oh, wow. Um, but they were learning at the Oregon at night. And so they would then proceed to tell me how, oh, it felt like it was trying to get around behind me. It was just this presence and it just, it, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew I couldn't let it get behind me. And, uh, you know, then next call, I hear the same thing. Like, I'll tell you that skeptic or not, the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up. Oh, talking yeah. To these folks. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. unnerving. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> have you, have you, have you ever seen anything unusual or heard anything unusual on, on these tours of these sites yourself or? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never seen a ghost. I've Uh never seen a physical manifestation or anything like that, but uh, well, I can't really say that's not actually necessarily accurate. I've definitely seen some things that were unusual. Like uh, I've seen something across the parade square at Fort Henry, like look, that looked like a person walking across the parade square could have been a trick of the light. Uh, But I've had things happen. Like I've had um, at the old jail where I had a a big heavy wooden door in front of me, heard three loud knocks, like bam, 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 somebody pounding on the door. Mm. I opened the door and there's absolutely nobody there um, that could have done it. Um, you know, so I've had a lot of um, things that sound like little things, but at the time are not so little. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And uh, a set of footsteps, uh, my, a tour guide and I at Black Creek were there in the second house, one of the buildings that was the original to the property. And we distinctly heard footsteps coming up the stairs towards us. They walked right behind me. There were two customers on the tour that heard it uh-huh. as well terrified i was terrified margo who's worked for me for over two years 20 years also terrified and she's like a seasoned ghost investigator (laughs) uh you know so it doesn't take much to make you definitely wonder and i've had a few things like that happen so beyond the location and the the research behind it what goes into creating these experiences what do you what else do you consider when doing when putting these together these experiences Sure. Well, I think something that's really important to us is our credibility. So we're, you know, we want to make sure with the stories that we get, the history, right, that we do our research, you know, we don't make up Mm -hmm. stories. So we've had that being brought to us all the time. You know, sites will say like, oh, would you talk about our our place, you know, we could make up a story or something. It's like, we're not interested, you know, it, to me, something that is a real principle of doing, I think a really fun experience. If you're trying to do an experience where people are going to have an emotional reaction to it, like trying to get scared. Yeah. An important part of it is to have some humor at the uh-huh. beginning because uh-huh. it breaks down people's defenses a little bit. So there's always uh-huh. some, some kind of more funny stories at the beginning of the tours. Uh-huh. And another aspect of it is just um, 
as far as designing a good story or a good experience is, yeah, is just making sure that you're giving people accurate information because what you really need is for people to trust you as mm-hmm. a storyteller. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that everybody knows that you can be trusted so that when you're telling them stories, they're not just automatically have all their defenses up. You know, I have been on ghost tours and some other places where that were amazing. And I've had other ones where, you know, it felt like the tour guide came at you right out of the gates yeah. with stuff that was yeah. not very believable. And as a result, you know, if you have the slightest hint of skepticism, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't mm-hmm. believe any of this. And it, it's not scary at all because yeah. you don't believe it. They could be telling you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure if we're relaying stories that are act- accurate to what people have told us as was, was their experience, then that we don't screw that up because the minute that you get a little detail wrong, people will start to call into question everything you're saying. Yeah. So I take it that uh, truth and fact is very important when you're creating these yeah. stories or putting together the stories and yeah. Yeah, we make sure to tell people these uh-huh. are real life ghost stories. Yeah. There's nothing we've on here that is made up by us. They're all, you know, you may or may not believe in ghost stories. And some of us believe in ghost stories. Some of us don't as mm-hmm. far as tour guides. Most of us are somewhere in between. We're just not sure and are interested. But uh, what we do give you is is the objective account of what of the details we were told by people who had the experiences themselves. And we always do our best to try to find more than one witness and fi- try to find more than one person that's, you know, had an encounter in a place before we included on the tour. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that approach of um, you can believe us, you cannot believe us really works well as well because you, you mentioned other tours where the tour guide came on a little strong and yeah. that kind of turns people off maybe. And I, I think so for sure. I yeah. think that, yeah, I think that applies for, and you know, this would be the same if you were just sharing a story from your childhood or yeah. anything else and you're yeah. just trying to tell an interesting tale. Mm-hmm. You know, I think trying to get the trust of the listener is really important. So Absolutely. if you embellish things too much, then, um, you know, I think that, it, that the, you cease to be believable. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's tough because sometimes we're telling stories where, you know, the stuff that was reported to us sounds unbelievable. So, <laughs> you know, we really have a fight to try to make sure people understand that, no, no, this is actually what these folks said happened to them. And, uh, and they meant it, you know, I've never once interviewed, uh, you know, somebody telling me one of these stories and just thought, well, oh, this person's a crackpot or whatever. Like all the, what surprised me the most over the years is that the people I interview are like, super rational and you know so many times they say the same thing they'll say well i don't really think it was a ghost thing i I don't know what it was but here's my story and then they'll proceed to tell you some you know absolutely bizarre (laughs) thing that is unexplainable Uh Uh (laughs) but meanwhile like me they still kind of like stick to a hint of skepticism to their to themselves because they don't necessarily want to believe yeah yeah interesting um, I like I like something else you said. How you you integrate an element of humor and into the stories as well. Um, do you find do you find that is that because you're worried maybe people being too scared is a little bit mm-hmm. overdoing it, or or maybe there's a danger there? Is that it's is, kind of to the opposite. It's kind of the opposite in many ways. Uh-huh. I mean, first of all, we do just like the funny stuff stories because they're funny right and uh we do tend to have a sense of humor i mean one of my biggest worries when i decided to do this you know i'd been on a ghost tour in york in england that's where i got the idea mm-hmm. and i thought i'm not really a scary person like <laughs> how am i gonna you know this guy that was uh-huh. doing the tours was like haggard you know he looked like he'd been through you know he looked like he'd spent a hundred nights in a haunted building or something you know <laughs> he, he was so you know terrifying yeah. personally that i was like I cannot, I can't do that. There's no way I can be that guy. (laughs) But, um, you know, what we found actually, like after starting to do it for a while, what I found is that by using a little bit of humor at first, like it, it kind of makes people be a little bit less defensive about the scary stories. Hmm. So in some ways, like it actually gives more of a punch to the stories when you get to the punch line. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, when you get to the actual part where the story takes a twist and things get scary, you know, uh, yet people have are less, um, uh, resistant and you don't have their defenses up. So they get a, so the, it's kind of a cheese both at the same time. Yeah. They feel safe, but they also get to experience the actual scare, like uh-huh. true fear or whatever the true scariest yeah. part. Interesting. Uh, well, in a kind of in a safe feeling, safe environment. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Halloween's just around the corner. So yeah. people might want to scare their friends or family in some way. Are there any things they need to consider if they want to create a scary experience for friends and family? Or trick-or-treaters? Yeah, I think, you know, think about the atmosphere, I think, Mm -hmm. you know. So there's so much psychology that goes into making something 
uh, scary. And mm-hmm. I think generally speaking, subtle is better. You know, mm-hmm. so if you can have a uh, low lighting, maybe have a few candles, create an atmosphere, giving some time for quiet and things. I mean, people come and hear our ghost stories and they get, you know, if you go to a haunted house, you go to a place where there's people jumping out at you and things like that. Like it's mm-hmm. fun. It's not, yeah. I mean, I find yeah. it fun too. Sometimes I'm mostly a chicken with that stuff, but <laughs> you, know, uh, you get, you know, it's, it's, it's a thrill. It's different. Uh-huh. You know, for us, we want people to come on a tour and when they go to bed at night, then they start thinking about it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they think about it two days later, uh-huh. three days later, you know, that's sort of the difference between good, creepy and just like a scare, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I think, I would always say go for something that's more subtle. It's more, um, you know, going to stick with people and that sometimes less is more. So uh-huh. uh, instead of going all out, you know, try to see if you're going to try to set up a trick or something like that uh, to scare your friends, I would say having nothing happening for, you know, two yeah. hours and then yeah. having one trick happen and then nothing else happens is going to be way more memorable yeah. than having 12 tricks happen to them as the course of the evening goes for sure. The anticipation is a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the tour in uh, York, England. Um, mm-hmm. Did you take any elements from that tour to your own? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just thought it was just such a great way to you know get to walk around a city where mm-hmm. I was not from there and I probably would have just stayed at my bed and breakfast or something and, you know, <laughs> not done anything for the evening or something. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I loved hearing about the stories. Um, I thought, uh, I just, I really liked that it used so much history and engaged people with real local history that really gave you a sense that you really came to understand the place. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I took home with me and thought, okay, I didn't know a lot about Kingston's history. I knew some things, uh, you know, I knew that there was, I'd heard of skeleton park, which is the old, uh, it's an old park that used to be a cemetery. Mm-hmm. and a few stories about that but you know not a lot of ghost stories but i just thought well it'd be interesting to find out if they're there so um i uh, uh so really mostly i just took the basic concept but this was somebody who you know one of the things i learned from it and from the sake of uh why i think my ghost tour is run a bit differently than uh, a lot of others have um in canada is that uh right off the bat i knew that i didn't really want to be that guy because <laughs> essentially he had been doing it for 30 years uh-huh. and he said yep. like he it was just him he's the only tour guide mm-hmm. and he was um he was telling me you know he's like oh this is great he said you know i can uh, i just drink all day in the pub and then i go out and do a <laughs> tour for an hour and make enough money to drink all day in the pub the next day <laughs> you know this guy was really uh it seemed like he'd uh, <laughs> he was he living the like life living huh? a rough life <laughs> and uh you know but the thing that it occurred to me was that uh, a key important part of this for me to be successful was to turn it into a a business right from the beginning where Mm -hmm. I could find other people who were even Mm -hmm. better storytellers than me uh, or I could train them to be better storytellers than me. So right from Mm -hmm. the beginning, I knew that I did not not want the tour guide to be me for 30 years, Right. that I wanted to as quickly as possible try to find a way to help other people learn and grow as storytellers so that because otherwise you know, if you start a business and it's, and it is often the failing of a lot of entrepreneurs is that you start a business that's so linked to your own talent and abilities Mm -hmm. that you cannot possibly expand. And one of two things happens inevitably, you know, either you outgrow the business or the business outgrows you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is often where small businesses fail. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that we had something where we could scale it. We could go to new cities, do new, you know, because for me, the most important thing about doing this job is getting to do new things all the time. Mm -hmm. I, it's just something I have a real need for is creating Mm -hmm. new things and new experiences. And uh, if I can't do that, continue to learn and grow, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'd probably do a different job. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I take it then that when you, it sounds like when you started the haunted walks, you, you, you had in mind that you, this is something you could expand and you knew mm-hmm. it, you, it wasn't just going to be you doing the tours like the guy in York. No. Yeah. yeah. And people often ask me if I was surprised by how much it's grown over yeah. the years. And, you know, and of course I am. I mean, of course I'm surprised to grow to, you know, we had about a hundred tour guides before, uh, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we're, you know, making us. Easily, I'm sure the biggest walking tour company in the in the country, but mm-hmm. um, I would not have expected to grow to those proportions. But even at the beginning, you know, I knew that I wanted to within a year have maybe a dozen tour guides or something like that. Like I knew that it would be 
uh, I wanted it to be a, a business if I could mm-hmm. make it succeed in that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and most of all that I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could teach people how to do this so that we could have more groups come, more people experience it and yeah. be able to offer more new things. So mm-hmm. it was the only way to do it. So how did you go about that process of finding new guides and teaching them how to do these tours and give these kind of experiences to people? I'd say I started out by following a lot of bad advice that that everybody (laughs) will give you, Uh uh, which is about how important kind of traditional hiring practices are. Uh And in fact, what we've discovered over the years is that they're not important at all. And that in fact, the complete completely unscientific nonsense and uh, that so we actually have scrapped entirely now our we no longer have except resumes we no longer do interviews oh wow so you know we have a uh, a group audition process that's fun that's kind of more in character with our company mm-hmm. that you know we have people who are right to us who did not get the job but we're saying like i had such a fun time i yeah i like i had a blast doing these interviews you know we want people going away feeling just as entertained as they do coming on one of our tours oh, wow. so that's how we find good people is i think is by trying to make sure that our hiring process is all about making people feel more human, not less human and, uh, making people, uh, be able to show off their talents to us in a more natural Mm -hmm. environment Mm -hmm. rather than in a fake interview environment. So, um, you know, we are lucky enough, I think, because we, uh, we run a, because, you know, we're running a company that's fun and cool, you know, doing fun things and doing things that are kind of attractive to people, um, that we've always had talented people seeking us out to come and work for us. So we are lucky in that regard. You know, if I was running, um, uh, I don't know, uh, um, you know, running a a factory making widgets or something like that, you know, oh, then you probably have to do a lot more work trying to market to people why your company culture is so great. Uh I think for us, people will tend to come to us because they think the job seems great. And then I think they're very pleasantly fought, surprised that the culture is so great. Yeah. So, huh. um, and that's what, you know, and I say all of that, it, it might sound like boasting, but I think it's like the thing we've worked at the hardest. Okay. The thing I've always worked at the hardest is trying to make sure that, um, that the whole team is, is really motivated to be awesome because, right. you know, I, I don't have a bus tour company or a boat tour company. Yeah. I don't have, you know, if you come on a walking tour and the tour guide is not good, your experience is not good. Uh-huh. The end. Huh. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's like, we're literally our people are the only product that we're selling. Right. Um, it's our, our ability to entertain people and tell good stories. Is, uh-huh. That's it. So, you know, you might go on, if you go on another bus tour or something like that, you might be like, yeah, the tour guide was okay, but it was nice to at least take the double decker bus around yep. town. <laughs> but, uh, uh, for us, the experience is all entirely dependent on our shoulders. So I need people who are like a hundred percent motivated yeah. every time they go out there and nobody's perfect at achieving that. But I think we've definitely achieve that more often than most. Right. So what do you look for when you hire guides? Is, is there a particular yeah. personality type or? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think probably if I had to characterize our goal in doing our uh, search is to try to weed out the people that are, you know, I guess the, 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 the extremes of either like not wanting to engage with other people at all or, being, mm-hmm. uh, or the extreme of like, of, you know, bowling over everybody else uh, yeah. in, in a group. So yeah. we want to have people who can get along with other people. Uh-huh. That's probably the most important thing. Uh-huh. And beyond that, of course, like then we're looking for people having some talent for for storytelling and entertaining yeah. people. Um, uh-huh. So it's kind of the the two sides of the coin. It's just people have the. It has to be people you're going to want to spend a lot of time with mm-hmm. because you are spending a lot of time with them on the tour, mm-hmm. and it has so they have to be uh, you know likable and interesting, but they also have to be. Uh, you know, have some good storytelling talent too. And sometimes people don't come to us with that. Sometimes people apply and like four times or whatever, and maybe the fourth time they've had some experience and done some other things that give them that storytelling ability that they then, you know, then we hire them and they're awesome. But uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, we're, we're not too worried about people having experience. That's just, that's why we don't bother with resumes because mm-hmm. we haven't really found any correlation at all between mm-hmm how much experience somebody has and how good of a tour guide they're going to be. Cause we can train people how to do the tour stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And do you find that, uh, your company attracts different types of people or does it attract a certain age group or demographic in, in, in any way? Or I mean, one of the coolest things about, about our company I think is that we attract a really diverse group of people. So people ask us how we get such a diverse, uh, group, you know, we have, mm-hmm. uh, we do tend to attract people who are interested in, 
storytelling or drama. Yeah. So we certainly yeah. do get a lot of people uh -huh. who are actors or interested in that or in it in some way in performance or, uh -huh. or in, in some other cases, there are uh, people who, for example, might be in their graduate studies for history or things. Uh -huh. uh, so they do often have interest in the subject matter that we talk about. Yeah. But in terms of as people, you know, we really get a really wide variety of people and um, of every description. And, uh, and that's really awesome. And, you know, I look, the, the thing that makes me the happiest about my company is just how great of friends that all of our staff become. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had staff, like the, the people who worked for me 20 years ago that are all still very close friends and, uh, um, and stick together. Uh, that's, you know, there's no better feeling than that. That was one of the things I really wanted to create. You know, I don't, it's not really super important to me that they all think I'm the greatest, but I really want them to get along well with each other and, and, and have genuine friendships uh, yeah. out of this job. And, and that does seem to happen. So we must be doing something right. Huh. Is that, is that something that you work towards? You, you mentioned that that's yeah, important absolutely. for you as yeah. a culture. Yeah. I think we try to be really collaborative and yeah. try to work with uh, people. And I think the biggest thing is people know that we do listen and that they, that they actually can have an opinion on, <laughs> on everything. And uh -huh. that, um, you know, we do try to uh, uh, get people involved in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways we do that from a business perspective is we do profit sharing with all employees. So including, um, um, you know, part-time folks, et cetera. So we do um, a number of different initiatives that just try to actually get people more involved. So we'll let them know if we're having a tough, difficult time in a given month or something, people will all know about it. Nobody's going to be surprised about how we're doing. So hmm. things are a little bit more scattered and different right now with uh, us trying to survive this pandemic, but, uh, it's, uh, but you know, we have not lost that. We yeah. still have a lot of communication going. It's just, it's just changed. It's more online now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So have you, have you been able to weather the storm of the pandemic so far and how's that going? Yeah, we have, you know, I think we've done pretty well as far as trying to find ways to, uh, to adapt to it. So, you know, we've created uh, bubble tour versions of our tours that are mm -hmm. smaller group tours, but we've also done some new online things as well, too. Uh, so we're doing uh, regularly doing virtual haunted campfires where we're having people from around the world joining us for, uh, you know, we're recruiting some great storytellers from other ghost tour companies that are all around the world. So uh, just the other night I had uh, uh a couple of storytellers. One was from Seattle and one was from Australia. Um, and, uh, you know, gathering people around the, uh, the zoom webinar ring wow, to hear yeah. some spooky mm -hmm. stories. And that's been immensely popular. Mm -hmm. Um, our first couple wins had, you know, uh, about 300 people between them. And, uh, and we, they're only going to keep growing from there. Um, so we're trying to do things to, if they can't come and see us, that we'll come and see them as much yeah. as we can. But um, but ultimately, you know, what we offer is really is about, the most important thing about doing what we offer is doing things with other people. Yeah. It really is about engagement and being out with other folks. So, mm -hmm. you know, we try to achieve that virtually and I think it's going quite well, but there's nothing beats a proper walking tour. So we'll get back to that <laughs> for sure. As soon yeah. as we possibly can safely do yeah. so. Yeah. Do you, do you have, have to consider different things when it's virtual? Like, do you have to tell people to turn off their lights and have a candle or something like that? Or how do, how do you deal with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I we talked a little bit about building atmosphere and mm -hmm. how, you know, it's so much more important with yeah. online. Yeah. Because it's so difficult to take people out of the sense that they're in, you know, a business seminar or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so, yeah, we definitely do. We decorate. We have, uh, you know, we, we play with the lighting and things. But we also play with some of the functions and things to try to get people, you know, the sense that they're literally around a virtual campfire. So when they come okay. in, we'll have a burning pumpkin kind of thing, crackling, going for a little yeah. bit to kind of get people in the mood for it. But, uh, you know, the biggest surprise and the most fun thing about it is just how much people have actually like interacted with us. You know, I was uh -huh. the thing that I was most worried about. And uh, I'm sure like any teacher <laughs> knows how hard it is to uh -huh. present something to a bunch of blank black <laughs> squares. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. I know what I know what that's all about. <laughs> I figured you do. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what's great uh, from these group, from these folks that are coming, uh -huh. you know, they've all paid to come. They're all yeah. motivated to be yeah. there and have fun. So, you know, they're really engaging with us. You know, they're asking questions, they're getting involved through just even just through the chat and through other other things. And, uh, you know, what I thought could be a disruption 
or a difficulty to have to overcome compared to like normally when you're doing the tour and telling a story, people don't interrupt you. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's actually one of the highlights of the thing, you know, like it feels like such a gr- group loving, you know, like we're, all, <laughs> we're telling great stories and people are so engaged and having fun and telling their mm-hmm. own stories and uh, in- interacting with it at the time in a way that doesn't interrupt it for everyone else. You know, so it's kind of, there's actually, I mean, it's don't get me wrong like adjusting to the pandemic has been very difficult right for every tourism yeah. building yeah. business i would not wish to repeat it mm-hmm. but there the you know the silver lining has certainly been like finding some ways here that we could engage people in a, in ways that like we actually couldn't have done without this <laughs> you know without this pandemic driving people to want to try to do things online and things um willing to kind of stretch their uh comfort zone a little bit to try to engage in different ways um you know, that's actually worked out really well. And I definitely think a lot of that is stuff we would want to continue to do in the future, even if uh, even if things are, you know, back to like the before times. Oh, that's cool. And I could see how there's uh, definitely a, a desire for people who are, it's amazing how all over the world we're experiencing the same situation, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. locking down and, and at the same time, we desire that connection with people. And I feel yeah. like those campfire stories sound like a great way to connect with people even across the globe and share stories yeah, and yeah and for our customers and also for me uh, as a person you know i i the fact that i have uh you know a couple times a week i have these sessions with other ghost tour owners from other places mm-hmm. that are all experiencing the same kinds yep. of stresses yep. and the same kinds of difficulties as me you know i'm i've been surprised by how kind of healing the experience has been mm-hmm. like how it has really genuinely made me feel a little better about the whole situation and uh, just to know you're not in it alone and that other people are experiencing this in the same thing. And it's, it is worldwide that, uh, that people are, uh, are, are struggling with it in different <laughs> ways, but, uh, but also finding ways to try to make the best they can of it too. Cool. Um, so I want to take you back to Kingston when you first started doing the tours, how, how long ago was that? Yeah. So I started in 1995. So I was, wow. I was still a university mm-hmm. student and, uh, I, uh, yeah, I was literally standing on the street corner with Mm -hmm. a uh, cloth sign in my hands, you know, stretched out in front of me that's saying tour tonight at 8 p.m. And, uh, you know, it started very, very small, as small Uh as it could possibly get. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, having an encounter with a, a woman that, because at the time, like, to be clear, walking tours ghosters and stuff like barely existed yeah. like i was not the yeah. absolute first ghost tour in canada but i was one of the first that we all uh-huh. a few of us started around the same time and um the uh so they were very unusual and not and rare even walking tours yeah. alone was kind of not something people really thought about doing when they traveled so yeah i had a woman come up to me and she looks at my sign and she's like i think it was five dollars that i was charging at the time and she's like five dollars five dollars <laughs> maybe I'd pay $2. You want me to pay $5 to just walk around? I can do that by myself. Thank you very much. And stormed off. <laughs> and, uh, wow. And, you know, it was a chuckle, but it was definitely uh-huh. one of those things uh-huh. that was like, okay, obviously I need to do a bit of a better job of explaining uh-huh. what we're offering. <laughs> that it's the storytelling. And you start to realize that is what we're offering. Like that it's, it is the stories that's the most important thing. All right. But, um, Did you make any adjustments in that period in terms of how you presented the tours to to potential customers? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think you know early on, I was pretty worried about stuff like, oh, what happens if somebody steals my story? You know, this is still the early days of the internet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, thinking like, oh, what happens? If somebody's going to post my stories online. Yeah. I was worried. You know, I wrote a a couple books of our ghost stories and publish them. And so people have open access to these ghost stories, but <laughs> uh-huh. it really doesn't make a difference because, you know, what we learned through all of that was that, you know, people aren't paying us to come on the tour just because they want to hear our content. Like yeah. They're paying us on the tour because they want to have an experience. Right. Like they want to, right. It's the experience of walking around with the guide with the cloak in the land yeah. and hearing the spooky stories in another group of other people that you might not know, but get to know as the course yeah. of the tour goes on. It's all those things that matter. And uh, I don't think there's ever going to be, you know, I, I think the first time I was told that our tours would be replaced by technology was, uh, you know, probably about 20 years ago. And wow. I was like, oh, you know, it's probably not going to last very long because soon people will just be able to have a headset virtual you know, tour on their Walkman or whatever. You know? and, uh-huh. uh, okay, maybe not a Walkman. It wasn't <laughs> but, you know, that's just never going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, these theater hasn't disappeared disappeared just because tv exists or because movies exist uh radio hasn't disappeared because television exists you know the uh, the 
the experience and the engagement of it is what is what people crave and uh and i think that that desire will always be there so um yeah and as you suggested earlier after this pandemic is over people are going to crave these kinds of experiences more more than ever i would I think. think so yeah. 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 either that or we're all going to be a bunch of uh neurotic uh uh-huh. hermits <laughs> True. True. That could be <laughs> that's, po- that's possible as well. Happen. Yeah, probably is, both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little bit of little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how did you get from the guy on the corner in Kingston to um, where you are now, where mm-hmm. you have before the pandemic, as you said, a hundred different guides and tours in three different cities, and the biggest mm-hmm. walking tour company in Canada? How how did that growth mm-hmm. happen? Obviously, it didn't happen overnight, but Take us through some of the major steps in that. I think the biggest step of all was just in the is is in the initial approach of spending as much time as I could possibly do working on my business rather than in my business. And mm-hmm. as much as possible, like I liked doing the tours, I could have done them forever. Mm-hmm. They definitely there's a rush that you get out of doing a, a tour and a presentation, which I'm getting a bit of again doing these virtual web uh, uh yeah, virtual yeah. things because I'm doing some of the stories. Uh-huh. But um it's fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. But you know, I knew what I really had to do is work on everything, like work on things from a customer's perspective. What does this look like? What mm-hmm. is this how can I make this experience better? Um, that's the perspective that that mattered. Um, and the other one I would say is just always asking why about everything. Hmm. Um, you know, why are we why are we doing it this way? Um, is this are we doing this just because this is the way we think we're supposed to do it? And basically just not worrying about breaking the rules in the sense of like the societal standards for what we how we should operate or how we should do mm-hmm. this or whatever mm-hmm. or you know because you get a lot of pressure people think they're expert on um you know how to manage people or like how yeah. to uh yeah. you know how to control people's schedules or right, like, right you know a, a lot uh-huh. of things and you know there's nothing to stop you as a company owner from just saying yeah i don't care about any of that i want to uh-huh, have a company uh-huh. that's more human and more uh you know trusts our people more and is just a better place to work for everyone and um so like that i i don't know if that sounds like a I don't mean for that to sound like a business webinar or something, but uh, it, it isn't. It's it's true and Pat, it's our passion that, um, you know, we just look at everything and we never stop. Like mm-hmm. we'll say, okay, our scheduling system, it was working. It was one of like amazing five years ago. Is it still amazing? Is it still a good yeah. experience for people? Like, oh, now people are using like our guides would really prefer to communicate mostly using cell phones. So, okay, well, how do we change things to be able mm-hmm. to make that happen? If that's the mm-hmm. way they would rather communicate, mm-hmm. uh, how do we kind of continually try to keep up with uh, not so much trends, but try to keep up with the uh, trying to be an easy part of people's lives and be a mm-hmm. thing we look forward to mm-hmm. as opposed to being a burden. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so I, and I think the maybe a third thing I would throw in there is just the most of realizing that the most important thing was my, was my my staff was my frontline mm-hmm. tour guides my mm-hmm. storytellers because if they're not happy nobody's going to have a good time yeah the absolutely end, you yeah. know so uh yeah. i uh we always felt like we needed people that were super motivated that like love doing this job that would like and so many people stay for a really long time and when even when they do leave they're like we'll still say like 10 years later 15 years later oh i miss it so much mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. and um and uh you know that's kind of that's that is how we want it to be so um, we've been accused of running almost a, a tour guide cult or something because people are so devoted <laughs> to it. But, uh, we do have quite a number of tour guides who have gotten tattoos of our little ghost logo. Uh-huh. So I don't know if that's a sign. Of, <laughs> I'm sure there's an element of like jealousy involved there from uh, outsiders. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, but the, yeah. the key factor uh-huh. there is that the cult is not a cult of the haunted walk. It's not a cult of me. Uh-huh. It's it's a cult of each other. Like right. they're such they because they do so many mm-hmm. things and they all kind of support each other and uh, it's a meaningful kind of relationship that they foster with each other you know we've provided them the ability to do that in an environment where that can happen mm-hmm. but that's the most important thing is that they all feel so devoted to each other and, uh, and that's you know it's really amazing to see yeah love it. Mm-hmm. it sounds like uh part of that the growth involved there was uh adhering to that old kind of cliched advice of being true to yourself and not not worrying about what other people are telling you what what you should yeah. be doing that kind of thing but understanding 
what your business is, what your product is and, and who your customers are and what they want and, and yeah. uh, looking at it. From and that, that didn't happen overnight because yeah. it's really hard. It's really hard yeah. to do things that, you know, mentors or advisors or other business owners are like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or, uh-huh. um, it's really difficult to go against the grain on those things. So I would say it's been like an incremental thing that we've done from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it took a, an important first step of kind of realizing that that's what we needed to do is to figure out what, how to do everything and just not make ever make any assumptions that like, Oh, this still works. So we should stop questioning it. Yeah. You know, now it doesn't matter if it works or not, we're going to still question it all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, so I, I love that. I love tinkering with like the way that we do things, the mm-hmm. way we set up the, the whole experience, the way that we, uh, and that experience isn't just for the customers, but also for the staff and for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Cause that's something, uh, we, we talk about, uh, quite a bit on this podcast is trial and error and how that that's uh, an important part of learning. Um, yeah, it is for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and like, we've made a ton of mistakes in the long <laughs> way. Like I have done some, I've set up some programs and things where I was like, you know what, let's try this. I think this is really, uh, this war great. It's yeah. really improved things and have been an utter disaster. Right. So, um, but what's important there is I think is just to constantly assess your results and not, yeah. like, you know, to treat it like a science experiment and constantly be measuring results and mm-hmm. making adjustments, mm-hmm. because if you don't do that step of it, you know, you can be a really creative person. I, I do believe I am a quite a creative person. I come up with a lot of ideas that are kind of against the grain. Mm-hmm. However, some of those ideas are absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and, and no one knows whether ideas are wonderful or terrible until they kind of test them. So, yeah. so you got to test those things. You can't just kind of, you know, it, it's chaos if all you do is abruptly make changes all the yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, so we try very hard to like, thoroughly discuss things, try to figure out what strategy would work, yeah. but then also to test it carefully to see if it actually does work mm-hmm. before we kind of put it across the company. So, um, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's like any kind of learning. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that way. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are there any ideas that, that were complete disasters that just bombed completely or. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think a lot of our, uh, a lot of the things that we've tried that haven't worked great have mostly been in along the lines of like, it worked fairly well, but yeah. it didn't, okay. it didn't achieve enough results yeah, yeah. to be okay. worth the amount of effort uh-huh. that went into it. But, um, definitely in the early days, you know, some of my experiments with trying to, um, trying to make it a better workplace for, you know, for the tour guides and things, Mm -hmm. but also to make sure we had good quality tours. Like some of those did not work very well. You know, we took, for example, um, you know, when it came to doing evaluations of our tour guides or trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to give them coaching or mentoring, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, early on, we took a lot of kind of what were at the time, the kind of the teachers kind of rubrics and things like that, that we were using to try to assess them and to try Mm -hmm. to give them feedback or what would be very similar to like a performance review, I guess, Mm -hmm. for kind of a more Mm -hmm. corporate playing as these, these are the obvious tools that were in front of us. So Mm -hmm. we use these tools and, uh, and I think it was mostly a disaster. Like, I mean, it, 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 people don't like, it doesn't make any difference whether somebody gets a seven out of 10 on their, uh, on their, um, projection versus a 7.5 out of 10 like uh-huh. you know so we, we we stripped all of that away we made it a really simplified system that was more focused on the mentoring and uh-huh. on the actual conversations between the mentor and uh-huh. the and the people while still having some measurables but the measurables were more binary it was more like yes no uh-huh. if you were a customer would you have enjoyed this tour or not you yeah. know so that the mentor can kind of be able to Pick some things that are important, critical standards, but not be focused so much on the minutia that um, that uh, they were that it made it feel differently to the person who was receiving that uh, that uh, coaching. So I think there's like a way friendlier process now. You know, we do a lot more kind of there's just a lot more teamwork involved in the process of getting better. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of has more taken up the mantle of. Hmm. of working together on that as opposed to it being kind of a manager, uh, you know, um, Mm -hmm. subordinate relationship. So, um, yeah. Are there many tweaks you made to the tours over the years? Anything that you thought, like how the things that kind of made it what they are today, are there, are there any major tweaks that you can think of? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, a lot of the best ideas have actually come from the tour guides. I mean, to mm-hmm. use the example, like people know us for having our cloaks and lanterns and things like I oh, didn't yeah. have any of that when I first started the tour company. <laughs> so the first few years, I, I was just had like a black trench coat. Oh, those and, are key. You know, yeah. I look more like an undertaker <laughs> kind of look. But, uh, but you know, we thought like, we're too. like, OK, if we have the black cloaks and everything yeah. like that, like, yeah, it's eye catching. And yeah, do we look silly walking around downtown Toronto with a black cloak? Well, the thing is, everybody looks at us and talks about us. So oh, it's cool. a great True. way for yeah, yeah, to know yeah. that, hey, uh-huh. something's going on over there yeah. i want to know what that is what is that <laughs> yeah. thing uh-huh. so uh but that was again that was that that was the tour guides that were like well, we'd like to do this you know and uh-huh. uh and at first i was kind of like oh i don't know but uh but no it works great um but um the tours themselves we try to uh, of course we evolve them i mean almost every night people tell us new things we've we have a uh, through we use uh, Slack like probably most workplaces now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, to communicate. And we have channels that are all about real hauntings of the experiences that tour guides have had mm-hmm. or customers have shared with them on the tour. So we're able to kind of constantly update our knowledge and information so that oh we've got new stuff. Like two of our locations in in Ottawa, we've had like customers that have been on the tour that have told us brand new things about them that were really really cool that are, yeah. will will be added to the script. Oh, cool. Um, but, um, so we do want to try to make sure to improve those, but one thing, one funny thing we have learned over the years is that it's really difficult to make changes to a script, to a tour that's been around for a while, because yeah. like, whatever, whatever, sometimes I, I think that was a mistake I made early on was thinking everybody will want this to be different every time, you know, mm-hmm. because, well, if, you know, I remember in 1998, having people be like, we're going to have to change the stories on the tour because people will have already heard them. If they come, they're going to want new stories, but that just wasn't true. Not even slightly true. The people who come back, they want to hear the stories that they heard and they want their friend, you know, <laughs> yeah, their yeah, new friend who's yeah. visiting them to hear those uh-huh, same stories true. that they loved. Yeah. So really we just focus on including the best stories. And if that yeah. means that story has been on the tour for 25 years, so be it because, uh, when we have removed some of those stories, people definitely complain. They're like, oh, I was really hoping to hear that one about uh, Teresa in the alleyway or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So what we can do to provide new experiences is create new experiences. So mm-hmm. instead of focusing mm-hmm. on like constantly changing mm-hmm. our core tours, like just constantly adding. Come up with new experience. Huh? New, new historic sites, new yeah, tours, cool. new, new things so that, you know, hopefully by the time people's been through all of the different things we offer. You know, that's it'll take them a very long time, and they're almost ready to start over again. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. yeah. Huh. So, what a, you're you're talking about growing new experiences and how that kind of keeps you going. Are there any new experiences that that you're thinking of adding? Anything in the works or or any? Yeah, places um, you something wanna? we just created yeah. that's a lot of fun. Um, we've been doing our. Uh, I know you went on the haunting at uh, Black yep. Creek. I yeah, believe. that was a lot uh, of fun. We also yeah. had the haunting at Laurie House. So the haunting is a little different from other tours, as I said. It's yeah. more of a an experiential series of experiments that we'll do, similar okay. to what like a 19th century ghost investigator, yeah, yeah. early uh, 20th uh-huh. century ghost investigator would have done. So not using a lot of technology here, but using basic tools and um, you know uh, uh, doing automatic writing or doing some of the yeah. things that they would have done. Um, so we've created a new thing that's called the haunting at home. And the, so this is one where uh, it's an audio experience that you can uh, download oh, you can cool. purchase it from our website and download yeah. it. And you can almost think of it like a, uh, like a murder mystery home game or something like oh, that, cool. where, you know, you'll host your family or your friends to go through this experience and see if things happen. So what's blown us away by this is that I think it's somewhere around 80, 86% or something like that of the surveys, everyone who does it at the end gives us a report mm-hmm. and uh, like 86% or something say that they had supernatural experiences or they had paranormal. Oh, wow. they were doing it. And uh, you know, wow, we didn't expect that. Like, you know, we thought uh-huh. some will for sure. And some people uh-huh. will just be like, Oh, this isn't real and won't have anything yeah, happen, yeah. you know, sort of like a Ouija board or something. But uh-huh. uh, no, I, so I think again, with that setting up that psychological uh, you know, just the right mood and everything yeah. else. So we give tips on there and how to like set the stage and how to, how to get everybody to do it with uh-huh. you. And then, um, uh, yeah, super scary. And people, there's a, there, we have a, uh, an escape hatch and I think it's 15% of our groups have pulled the escape hatch. So in other words, they've chickened out and stopped, <laughs> stopped the experiment because it was too scary, <laughs> but there's no uh, tricks to it or anything. Okay. We don't have anybody like jumping out through yeah, the yeah. airwaves at you or anything. It is just, using the same techniques uh-huh. and uh if you set the right atmosphere you can make any place creepy uh so we do say True. people probably won't want to ever go down to their basement again 
<laughs> scaring people out of their own homes, right? Out of their like, own home. Get out of your that's house. That's the best yeah. we can offer uh, right yeah. now, I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds great though. Um, I can't yeah. wait. To, I can't wait to try that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, I guess um, one more question. Um, <laughs> thinking back over all the years of doing the haunted walks, um, are there, are, is there anything that stands out as something surprising, something really memorable that you've learned along the way that has stayed with you from 1995 or whenever you started doing them in Kin- Kingston? Mm-hmm. I think the nicest surprise along the way has just been uh, how much people have expressed how much it's meant to them mm-hmm. to have done it, you know, mm-hmm. and that we have people that will say, I went on your tour back in 1996 and it was so great and I'm so glad to see how well it's doing and that uh, how much, you know, our customers have come and done the tour kind of feel like part of the family and uh and that when we kind of when we're successful in doing no they feel like like we've created a community that's i guess what i'm trying to express yeah is that we've managed to create a community that i never expected to be able to create Mm -hmm. not just of our tour guides but also of like customers who've come back over the years and you know maybe they only do a tour every few years but just that they're kind of feel like they're part of it and that when we, you know, people showed so much concern and care with the struggles we're going through with the pandemic and things. And people were, um, you know, we had a fundraiser to support some of our support our tour guides that were, uh, you know, in, in financial need or out of work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people donated like a ton of money to be able to help support those tour guides. Um, wow. That's, That's really amazing, amazing mm-hmm. to me. You know, yeah. I started it because it was more about when I started, it was more about creating a cool job that I wanted to do and to create mm-hmm. a cool experience for customers. But I figured it would just be something they would do and then, you know, think it was fun and then yeah. forget. Yeah. But, uh, but the, how much is stuck with people and how much they feel like they're involved in it. That to me is um, probably the, the most, the thing I'm the most proud of, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. knowing like meeting people that are like, we actually went on our first date, you know, we're married now. And my wow. wife and I met on your tour. It was our first date. It's amazing. Um, or just uh, feel kind of part of our, uh, kind of part of our community and our family. And uh, I think that's really pretty awesome. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I, I, mm. I love that, that you that you're able to create a community out of, out of this around ghost stories. And, yeah, and absolutely. Uh-huh. And people that are very much not the same as each other, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like, you know, we have people that are ghost investigators or uh-huh. amateur ghost investigators or things or super hardcore into paranormal yeah. stuff. You know, we have people who are like, I'm a history professor. I, I don't really believe in ghosts, but yeah. I love what you guys do. Yeah. I love the, uh, you know, the other sides of it kind of everything in between. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, people that otherwise would have very little in common, but they do have what they do have in common is being interested in their community stories. So yeah. that, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Right. Well, uh, if you're listening and you haven't done a haunted walk, you're missing out. So definitely want to join the community and, uh, and go to the, the website is hauntedwalks.com. Uh, no S just hauntedwalk.com. Hauntedwalk.com. Got it. So go to hauntedwalk.com and book your, book your tour. Um, thank you so much, Glenn, for talking to me today. Hey, thanks. It was was a pleasure. Who doesn't love a good scare, right? I hope you learned as much as I did from that conversation. It's so impressive how Glenn is building an international community around spooky stories, folklore, and history. Go to hauntedwalk.com to check out some of their tours and virtual experiences. Thanks again to Glenn for talking to me today. And my apologies for repeatedly referring to his company as the Haunted Walks, not Haunted Walk. Remember, no S. Thank you, listener, for joining me today. You can visit the website at amateurpod.com to comment on today's show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. I'd love to hear your show ideas. Imagine all the knowledge, experience, and skill that exists just in the people you know. Remember, there's a teacher in everyone you meet.